Hey there, and welcome back to Legal Tech Tapas, the podcast that feeds you bite-sized summaries of the latest legal technologies with me, Andrew Jardine. So on the menu this week, we have London-based Juro, an end-to-end contract management tool that combines flavors of contract generation, negotiation, as well as ongoing contract management. And later on, we'll talk to Richard Maybe, Juro CEO, to get his perspective on where Juro sits in the market and where it's going. Because Juro software does straddle a few different areas, I just want to give a quick summary of each of those so people will know what we're talking about on the show today. Firstly, contract generation tools. Typically, these are workflow tools that enable business users to quickly generate tailored contracts for their needs. And they can do that within the constraints set by their legal or leadership teams, typically, rather than having to go to them directly and get that contract generated. Secondly, negotiation tools, as we've covered on the show before, are review tools that help you to do the back and forth negotiation of a contract through a workflow. Often they incorporate AI functionality to locate clauses and sections of a contract, but that's not always the case. And finally, contract management tools. These are typically repositories of contract data that enable the management of contract obligations via things like alerts, or generation of reports or visualizations that let leadership make decisions. Confusingly, there can be overlap with the first kinds of tools we just mentioned, because in order to get access to the data they need, they generally are involved in the contract generation and negotiation process too. Okay, back to Juro now. So what does Juro do in plain English? In terms of AI functionality, Jira doesn't have the same depth of AI that other tools do, only being able to auto-locate a few of the more basic data points in a contract. The built-in reports and visualizations are also not as configurable as you might find in other products, but that might not matter to you as it has integrations with both Salesforce and Greenhouse, the HR tool, which you might prefer to use for reporting anyway. I think at a high level, it would be fair to summarize Juro as a contract management system light. One that's focused on user design rather than comprehensive feature coverage like some larger existing players. Okay, so now we've done a quick introduction on Juro. I think now would be a good opportunity to introduce you to Richard Maybe, Juro CEO, to get his perspective on where the company is going. Richard, good to have you on the show with us today. It's a rare treat for me to be able to speak to a fellow Brit. So thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me, Andrew. Uh, so we try to keep things as bite-sized as possible here on Legal Tech Tapas. So I think let's jump straight into the questions. Can you give us a bit of background firstly on yourself and how you came to start Juro? And if you have any fun, interesting facts that you'd like to share with us about yourself, we'd like to hear those as well. Great, yeah. So uh, I'm I'm a lawyer by training, which may make the interesting fact part a little bit harder to articulate. Um, but I started my career uh, at Freshfields. So I started out as a corporate lawyer. I trained in London and in New York, um, and I I ended up qualifying into the corporate team, focusing on M and A and private equity transactions, which. 
I worked on internationally for about four years. Um, so I kind of started my career uh, working on contracts. I still work on contracts, but in a, in a different, different way now. When I, when I decided to leave Freshfields, which was in around October 2013, so about six years ago, I, I decided that there was something in contracts and contract management that I wanted to solve, um, but I hadn't really quite figured it out. So I decided to spend a year uh, doing an MBA at INSEAD in, uh, just outside of Paris, um, which was a just kind of really good grounding to, to understand a little bit more about the business world um, and to experiment uh, a little bit with the kind of concepts that eventually became, became Duro. And, and when I left, I just had this sort of pile of debt um, from, from my MBA. So I decided I would take a job um, and I was recruited by LegalZoom, who at that time were just expanding into Europe. Um, and they had at that point, just one person in the UK, and I joined joined that company as the second person, uh, and ended up working on the the legal side to their product. So I spent around a year learning about you know what it really means to understand users and customer requirements and needs, and then how to how to build technology that can solve those things. Um, and after about a year, you know, I, I sort of felt I'd learned a, a fair amount about law and a, and a fair amount about business. Um, and then a fair about about actually legal technology, and I kind of plucked up the courage to go and found Juro, which really came from the seeds of an idea a couple of years previously to it. So I, I co-founded Juro three and a half years ago. So I, I'm the CEO of the company, and that means I divide my time between products and distribution, so marketing, sales, customer success, and spend a lot of time working with our in-house legal clients really every day. Um, in terms of interesting facts, so I, I nearly became a pianist. That, that was my kind of first love. Um, I, I decided I wasn't quite going to be the kind of world-class concert pianist I, I aspired to be, but I, I still maintain a, 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 let's call it a strong amateur interest in, in, in the piano and actually in, in music in general. Okay, nice. Well, if any consolation for you, Richard, I... I nearly became many things, but uh, didn't get close to being successful as you have been. So I think you've done quite well by starting Duro at least. And I also still somehow am saddled with a lot of student debt, so I can relate to you on that part as well. <laughs> um, okay, so look, Richard, no doubt you'll be well-versed in doing this by now because I know you're pretty active on the speaking circuit and obviously you do a lot of talking about Duro and pitching for your company. But can you now give us your best elevator pitch so that our listeners can hear that? Absolutely, yeah. So I'll I'll give you the, the short elevator, which is pretty simple. So we are a contract collaboration platform, uh, and this means that we help legal teams and teams from the wider business make contract workflow and management more efficient, seamless, and as engaging as possible for all of the stakeholders involved in that process. This is the elevator of what Jure does. To, to give you just a bit more context in terms of you know, what it is we really solve, when, when I started thinking about the problem space of contracts, which I had kind of experienced every day as a lawyer, um, I, I realized I think what everyone else realizes, which is that contracts are painful in various ways. Um, and when I, when I sort of was at Freshfields, I saw, you know, generally speaking, higher complexity contracts, but I was seconded to in-house teams where I also worked with businesses that process tens or hundreds of legal contracts every day. And, and the first thing I thought to myself was, 
there must be a way to speed up the process of agreeing a legal contract. Everything from the, the, the assembling of that document in Microsoft Words to the redlining process backwards and forwards, which we used to call Delta View, which a little software tool that would compare Word versions, and then the whole system of actually filing documents, keeping track of information. I, I, I kind of saw this as a problem of efficiency, um, and that's something which I think the community generally feels as well. I think the, the further along we got in the process and when we started getting our first clients, uh, like people like Deliveroo uh, out here in Europe, we started to see the problem a little bit differently. And the way we started seeing the problem was that there is actually an inherent problem with the medium through which contracts are agreed. So it became a problem not so much of how do we make word-based workflows more efficient, but actually could there be a new paradigm for agreeing contracts via an in-browser interface? And also, was there a, a format which would be machine readable so you wouldn't actually have to spend a ton of time tagging data to make it useful in contract lifecycle management but that data would just be understood by default and and this is where we kind of came to go back to the elevator to build out this end-to-end collaboration platform for contracts which in browser helps you in the the whole process from generating contracts sometimes via our integrations like Salesforce and Slack and Google Drive, uh, taking them forward to internal formal approval workflows, negotiations, electronic signing, and then beyond that to start getting as much insight as you can from those contracts without the huge amounts of manual effort that normally go into that process. Cool. Thanks for that, Richard. And I like your uh, description of Jura as a contract collaboration tool. You know, I referred to it when talking to the audience about Jura as a, a contract management system light, perhaps. But I think contract collaboration is a, a nice take on that and uh, is a, a well-fitting term for the software. So you did mention, I think, one client there, Deliveroo. And I know you have a number of other household names, Skyscanner, and a, a few others that do seem to be in the, the high-growth tech space. Do you have any stories from those clients which you could share with us now to help us understand a little bit further the value that the Jura actually offers to those companies? Yeah, absolutely. I think where we start with clients, it always starts from these very personal pain points that are experienced, right? So every day I'm a legal counsel processing 25 NDAs. I really, you know, didn't train to just do that kind of work. I want to do more high value work. And so a lot of the conversations we have with clients start at this very human level of, you know, how can we help you actually do more of the work you love, for example? But when it comes down to actually, you know, selling the value into a business, it must come down to a hard financial calculation because there is an investment to be made in our license fee and any rational organization will want to see a, a proper return on it. So, there are kind of two parts to that. Um, I, I think it sometimes depends what kind of business, because as you say, I do I do work a lot with these kind of ultra-fast growth tech businesses and that they're a big kind of segment for us. But we do work with more traditional businesses. So businesses like Reach PLC, which is you know the largest group of newspapers in the UK, so much more traditional business, um, all of whom are receiving the, you know, the, and, and experiencing the same kind of pain points every day. So dependent on the business, I think you have to look at what those business objectives are. So in the case of 
the ultra fast growing business, usually there's a revenue concern. So is it the case that our contract workflow is holding up new revenue growth, for example? And so the kind of metrics we've seen, if you look at a client of ours like Unbabble, which is a super fast growing SaaS business out in San Francisco, uh, for, for those guys, they were able to prove one key stat, which uh, you can see in a, a case study on our website, which was they were able to get commercial agreements closed 30% faster. So kind of forget the, the expense of, of legal contracts and all the kind of costs that go around it. Just in that one workflow, they can basically say, I, as a legal team, am now enabling the business to achieve its core objective this year, which is it just so happens to be revenue growth. And so, so those kinds of enablements for, for those companies typically are all a story around revenue. I think when we look at the much more traditional businesses who maybe are more cost conscious, maybe profit is much more of a concern at that stage in the life cycle of the business, we tend to look on the other side of the balance sheet and the other side of the P&L, looking at costs, right? And, and so, so from that perspective, to give you one example, we had a client, which I, I won't name, but a client who missed a renewal deadline pre-implementation of Duro in a contract, which cost them a million pounds. And so, so you can immediately go in to argue that case, typically between a general counsel and a CFO, to say, we can immediately reduce your spend this year by two million pounds due to revenue leakage and due to this ineffective and inefficient contract workflow we have. So, so the sources of value are kind of multiple, and it, it slightly depends on the use case where that, that story can be told and the value can be driven. And, and the one other thing I'd mention is, you know, in contract management, generally 50% by, you know, statistically, 50% of deployments have been unsuccessful due to failed adoption. And we were kind of startled by this because as contract management software becomes an absolute must-have category for, uh, you know, for in, in software uh, for businesses really of all kinds now, it's a shocking statistic. And so, uh, you know, a lot of our design-led approach and just making things as easy as we can for the users is really good at, at, at helping businesses get a lot more buy-in from the business and ultimately a lot more usage. And, and typically, when we have conversations with clients about ROI, whether it's on the revenue or the cost basis, we also can multiply that by saying, you know, you're now ripping out this legacy tool, which actually everyone said was super clunky and no one wanted to use. So we can actually just triple the ROI, even if we're giving the same value, because we're going to get more adoption and we're going to get more contracts added and we're going to have more control over those workflows. So the ma- marriage of those hard ROI stats and then, and then usage, that's, that's typically what we find as a compelling proposition for our clients. Hmm. Yeah, I like the focus on being able to speed up the contract process and not just on you know, finding financial savings. Having come from a, a sales organization myself, I can, I can tell the listeners that a 30% increase in speed would be a huge game changer for someone sitting in sales. Um, you know, some of the listeners might not recognize that being from legal backgrounds, perhaps, or you know, being in-house legal, that that'll be a, a really important factor for people. And it's, it's a really interesting point, because I think we, we see this kind of narrative shifting a little bit, especially with the rise of legal operations, especially in North America, but now more and more in Europe as well, is we kind of know as legal counsel, we need to become enablers of the business. And this is sort of undeniable. The really hard thing is, you know, what, what does that actually mean? Like, how do you actually do that? Um, and it, it's, it's quite interesting. I had, we had a, one of our early clients when we were kind of just setting up Juro. We asked um, him, who's a general counsel, 
you know, what, what are the core KPIs for your team? Um, and he said, we've got two. So the, the first is, what did you mess up? And the second is, how little did you spend? And what we've seen, you know, since then, in fact, with that same general counsel is moving to a, a complete set of kind of leading and lagging indicators for KPIs, which are all super smart. You know, what is the influence of the legal team on the revenue of the business? And that sort of alignment of like, one, now we actually have proper KPIs that are specific and measurable, but also our KPIs actually align with those of the business. And I think with that increasing alignment, what, what legal teams are looking for is opportunities where when the general counsel goes into the review with their CEO every six months, they don't just say everything seems to be fine, nothing major has gone wrong, but they say, here is the statistical impact that the legal team has had on the North Star metric of the business, which is revenue or profit or whatever it may be. And that just really, I think, helps legal just generally as a function become much closer to the heart of what actually goes on in businesses and, and away from this kind of the practice of law, which has always kind of traditionally been the, the place for, for in-house legal teams. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, good points, good points. Um, so Richard, last thing from me, and I think as a comment, I would say that although you've used the term contract collaboration tool, I've used the term contract management tool light. Duro definitely incorporates features of a range of different tools, whether it be a, a contract generation tool, some of the AI doc analysis tools that are out there, as well as some of the larger contract management systems. What is it that you think makes Juro specifically stand out from the crowd when you consider that you're perhaps competing against such a broad range of different tools? Yeah, it's super interesting. I mean, when, when we started three and a half years ago, we realized that we weren't the first to market in contract management by about 30 years, right? So starting with the on-premise tools and then this kind of cloud-based motion that's, that's happened, and now some of the sort of next-generation type providers coming into the market. For us, it was, it was, there was two interesting questions is, but why has this not been solved over the last 30 years? I mean, why, why are we getting these same tools, which are sort of PDF storage systems uh, and don't do a huge amount more? What, what, why is that not solving the problem? Um, and then equally, I think in, in the, the, the next generation kind of competition in the market, you know, what, what is that unique proposition? And, and for us, it, it all really centers around the, the editor that we have in Juro. So we made a very um, kind of clear and um, and simple bet in, in many respects, which is that Microsoft Word in ten years' time will not be the default currency for the agreement of legal terms. Um, and there's some fantastic businesses like um, Clause and, and others who are working on you know post signature parts of that workflow. There's great businesses in contract review like you know, Kira Systems and others who are kind of work, tackling various kind of pain points in that contract lifecycle in you know a really effective way. What our kind of clients told us was we want one, a one-stop shop for contracts. So we, we don't want to have 10 different tools connected by API. We actually want to have a unified workflow in one system. And the second thing was we want to avoid a world where we have a system of record for files and then we have to add to it the metadata that make, makes it useful. And so in, in Juro, it's possible with every contract you add, whether on your own templates or on someone else's paper, to, to by default know not only what the data in the contract says, not only what the kind of workflow data says, how long is it taking to you know, agree a contract, get a contract approved, but also to see a slightly, level deep, a, a slightly deeper level of insight on the contract as well. 
And the combination of those things gives you that one-stop shop and it gives you something which gives you like an advantage over and beyond what's been done before. And I think the, sort of the final thing I'd say on it is it's quite curious. I mean, as kind of software develops, we've, we've been brought into this era of the consumerization of software as a service where across lots of verticals, software has become designed for the end user. And so we see this and we, we share um, investors with a company called Typeform, which you might know in Barcelona, which has done this really, really well. And there are other examples of this, Algolia, um, et cetera. But in legal, one of the, the big faults we found in the competition was they weren't really designing for the end user. So, so we, we saw a lot of platforms out there who will say, you know, built by lawyers for lawyers or designed by lawyers for lawyers. And, and that's all very well. And we have plenty of you know, legal users in the system. But actually, the end user of contracts by volume, that's not lawyers at all. So 80% of the users uh, in our system come from sales teams and HR teams and supplier teams and procurement teams, the, the people who have to handle contracts every day. And so it's in building that really intuitive experience, which you know, in the case I mentioned of Unbabel, is helping a sales team close contracts faster and understanding as well that the kind of risk mitigations that go around that need to accrue to the legal team, you're able to build this you know, what we think of now as a, a contract management system that works for everyone. And, and that's part of this, this phraseology we tend to use about contract collaboration, because it's not just about management, it's not just about workflow, and it's ultimately it's not just about lawyers. It's about having one unified system of record in the business and ensuring that the experiences that you can deliver as an in-house legal counsel to your internal client and also to the stakeholders of the business, your customers, your suppliers, your employees, that that is truly seamless. And, and that's where we've seen a bit of a, just a bit of a failure in, 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 the, in the market to get there. And that's really what our ambition is. Richard, thank you very much for coming on the show today. It's been great to get your very unique perspective on the future of contract management systems. And I personally look forward to seeing the impact that Juro is going to make in that space in the coming years. Well, thanks so much for having me, Andrew. It's been a, been a great pleasure. Now that we've heard the pitch and have a sense of where Juro sits in the market, who do we think should be using it? Well, the integration, simplicity, and well-designed interface of Juro, I think generally lend themselves for use by external facing business teams. Think sales, HR, maybe even customer success. Teams that traditionally have been frustrated with a lack of control, visibility and speed of the contracting process. The design-centric collaborative document editor and approval flows help those non-legal teams to easily understand where they are in the contracting process, as well as what they need to do to move things forward. Juro's design-first approach would also be a good fit for organizations keen to improve their customer contract experience. And I think a testament to this is that even though contracts can be downloaded from Juro and redlined in Microsoft Word just like normal, 98% of counterparties choose to remain in the Juro system whilst completing the negotiation. Juro, however, cannot be all things to all people. And as a result of its simplicity, I can see that larger legal teams could be disappointed by some limited functionality in areas like you know, analysis and reporting, 
of ongoing obligations or perhaps even the AI functionality of Duro, which is not as built out as some other products that focus on just that. Legal teams might do well by using Duro perhaps as a secondary tool or in conjunction with other systems that cover parts of the process themselves. That's about it for this episode. I hope you have found it to be both interesting and informative. If you have enjoyed the episode, I would encourage you to share it with your friends and colleagues on Twitter, LinkedIn, or really whatever social media it is you are using. And as ever, if you haven't yet signed up for the podcast, please do so. You can sign up at legaltechtapas.substack.com. Other than that, until next episode.